0: mm <laughs> Hey there, and welcome to Hit Like a Girl Pod. More than just a podcast, we are a community dedicated to lifting the voices of women in healthcare and health IT. With each episode, we bring a new expert in her field, not only to share her contributions, but also information about traveling down her career path and how to get her job. I'm your host, Joy Rios. This season, Sharice Maynard is joining me as my co-host. We hit the trails all summer long and are bringing our best conversations with women from the field, sometimes literally, to you. On today's episode, we're revisiting with Lauren Deutsch, founder of Lauren Academic Services. She's skilled at systems thinking, navigating and tackling difficult conversations in medical education and beyond, and she's an avid mindfulness enthusiast. Let's take a listen. Today was a good hike. One of the highlights of it, I wanted to just point out to our audience is like we're focusing on mindfulness. We're making an approach to have, you know, thoughtful connection and communication. And Lauren did a really great job of, you know, of leading (laughs) an exercise just to for all the women to start be intentional and thinking about how can they, move forward by solving a problem and like being part of the solution. Do you want to maybe recap a little bit of that? I don't think we have time for the whole thing, but sort of it's... Just in brief, I think sometimes we feel
1: a pressure to solve the whole problem and I think... The goal for today was to be intentional about saying, like, what part of this can I either, you know, be part of or own, but I don't need to own the entire solution. And I think that whole idea of community and collaboration and coming together is it's more meaningful when you're not trying to solve it on your own. So the impromptu was to just be intentional in our hike and kind of sort of focus on one component of what we can solve for or that we can address. And um, and go from there.
0: Yeah, and component of anything,
1: right? Right, right. It It didn't have to be like only work-related or only, you know, with regard to what you do in your job. But something that it could be very big, systemic.
0: And like, what are you doing to sort of leave your campsite better than you We've been talking and you've been sharing about how you've spent the pandemic. And you've definitely (laughs) had an opportunity to be creative and just sort of... Uh, go off the beaten path, so to speak. Can you share with our listeners yeah. what you, have you been up to? I mean, I feel really lucky. I think
1: as somebody who works in healthcare in sort of two ways: one as a clinician and a practitioner, and two as a business owner who you know owns a company that provides medical education support, the feeling of not being in a hospital or not being in my office and my classroom and so forth was a little weird at first, but it truly appealed to the more introverted side of me. And like the idea of just being at home and, you know, being able to do all the things we do as a team, there's eight of us or seven of us that come together. And I feel really lucky that during the pandemic, we got to be at home. And what it led me to think about was like, Living in the Midwest, where it's a little dark and gray day after day. So, what can I do to enliven that? And I love being outdoors and in nature. That's like a big part of my life. And so I said, okay, road trip. We can do this from anywhere. And my youngest daughter and I took a road trip early on in like September, and we drove to California. And spent three weeks living in Sherman Oaks mm-hmm. <laughs> and hiking every day and climbing and connecting. I have another daughter out there and some friends and just and working remotely, you know, socially distant. And that was a real privilege. It really was. I don't take that for granted at all. Um, and we brought our tent and sleeping bags. And so we didn't stay in hotels or anything. We just stayed Wherever, you know, wherever we were for the night on the way there, or on the way back, we got to connect with a few other family members on the way. And so I feel lucky. And I, I know that that's a privilege. And it's not. I have to add, also, me. she was
2: really lucky, Lauren was traveling during the time of the fires.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was really the, the last fires. Fire.
1: Where oh, are you? Where are
0: you? I'm like, oh. Yeah. Well, I was there too. I feel like we're yeah. soul sisters in... I know. Yeah. in San Diego at the time? Well, or were you? A I was on my own road trip and I got into California, I want to say the beginning of September. Yeah. And, it, and those scary. wildfires it were was scary really
1: scary yeah yeah I have a daughter who lives in the time down in town LA now she's in East Hollywood and I just kept saying like you need to have an escape boat I want your bag packed yeah I thought that was my jeep driving but it's not <laughs> <laughs> and that was a big deal again I think it really impressed on me the you know something that is thematic about just life is short yep and you don't have always the opportunities you think you're going to have down the line. So carpe diem, right? Seize the moment and be in the moment, live in the moment and be planful and be respectful, but but take advantage of an opportunity and yeah. not be fierce, so fearful.
0: You know, it struck me around the same time, the same things. So I was staying at my sister's house and one day, the wildfires and the smoke from the wildfire. She's in San Francisco. And oh, it was, the oh, sky, it was, the yeah, sun didn't so, rise. No, the know. sky was filled so. and it was orange all day and it felt so apocalyptic. And I, and it was one of those like, you know, come to Jesus moments it, of I like, know. this could be it. I know. And how are you going to go forward? And honestly, that kind of is a lot of what came, yeah, of how this I whole hit the trails thing came about. Well, I mean, that makes so much sense. um <laughs> I have a friend who lives in California, and he's
1: sort of doing something similar right now, so every once in a while we kind of bump into each other, but it's it's this like there's a time in life where you can say, "I'm pushing pause, I'm going to do this." Some of it's self-care, some of it is adventuresome, you know, it's just being outdoors and being in the moment but it's also connection. That's right. You know, and being open to like, you meet a lot of people on the road and not everyone is open to being met. (laughs) And, you know, so you kind of pick and choose, but I have made some unbelievable friends out here. Like I really have. And so I'm sort of on my second or third stint, I guess. Mm -hmm. This was like a a five week stint that I went back to Chicago for five days and then
0: when I go here
1: to pick up my car and it's a little addicting isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. but also graduation
0: yeah but I also think in in addition to self-care there's a piece of community care about it yeah and it's like oh how can I be there for somebody else and how can I show up for somebody else well and that's
1: why coming here was so important like when Sharice was like we're going to be in Phoenix and I thought I'm going to be in LA I I have to go east. I actually (laughs) do have to drive home back to Chicago. So like this, I can make this happen. And I think that's the other part. It's being intentional and saying, I'll be there. And I knew I was really worried that I was going to be late or get lost, happens but I you know I'm just like just make this happen Dwight. you can do this yeah like, you know no, yeah it's okay and um it felt really good to, I was about to say, I was there's striving. something
2: like achieving that kind of adventure getting to that next point and hooking up with other people it's just exciting to me it's exciting like randomly running into people like that you know well, you know, so Charisse and I actually
1: have had some road trips. So mm-hmm. we drove from D.C. to Chicago. That's right. What was that a year, a year and a half, two yeah, years? it's been almost two years. Oh, years. my God. Yeah. And that, we didn't know each other that right. well. We knew each other well from video conferencing for yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, OK, well, I'm driving back to Chicago. And she's like, you want someone to drive back? And I'm like, totally. <laughs> so it was awesome. Though, because, because we, we got see. to like you know, bond, Mm -hmm. of course. And and we worked and Mm -hmm. it was really nice. It really was. So it's, you know, Charisse doesn't live around the corner and it's like, what a cool thing. I get to meet her here in the West. Like, awesome, And that's
0: the part that I think is really special because you think like, how is this work? But at the same time, it's when you have stronger relationships with the people that you work with and in your community, you're likely going to do better work. A (sighs) hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I I think that
1: you make an interesting point, Joyva. I think the relationship component or the relationship-based model that we use at LAS is is vital to our work. And it's irreplaceable, That human touch and just being in the moment and connected and saying to someone like, I got your back. I'm going to walk this path with you. And, you know, in our line of work, that sometimes is it's scary because the person we're walking that, you know, we that path with is someone who has struggled perhaps mm-hmm. academically and in med ed and, you know, is confronting a lot of
0: challenges. So let's back up for a second because for folks, for our listeners who didn't, who haven't heard your episode and yeah. don't know exactly what the you do. yeah <laughs> Let's talk about what is your piece in the yeah. healthcare puzzle? Yeah. Like, so again. For, I always <laughs> think
1: in the simplest way, it's where do people get stuck? in their learning and for all kinds of reasons. But our focus at LAS is is really in in medical education. It's around representation and inclusion and really removing the obstacles that exist in medicine, but in med ed specifically for underrepresented students. And, And so we really kind of walk through all facets of that, starting with medical school through residency, fellowship, early career physicianship. And a lot of the work we do is around preparation, let's say for board exams and so forth, but it's about making decisions. It's about clinical reasoning, it's about how we help support people building confidence. And their narrative and their decision making.
0: So it's for students that are going to be going into medicine. They're not there yet. Some are. Some, more, yes. some, some of them are. Some
1: are. So some are residents. Some are fellows. Some okay. are early career in you know, physicians who have board exams for board certification, and maybe they've taken them and have underachieved, and they are remediating, or they know that they're concerned about taking a test, high stakes exam, whether that's clinical an OSCE or whether that's a written exam. Gotcha. And so a lot of the work we will do is around the preparation for that. It's it's teaching people to learn how to learn in a sustainable way and not to cram, not to kind of, you know, so it makes it sound like we're a tutoring company, but we're not. It's a very process-oriented, relationship-based approach to both curriculum design and then teaching. And I think during the pandemic, I'll put that plug in. And I think what we do works really Uniquely well, because so much of it is around differentiated learning and teaching. So it's it's really individualizing an approach. Even if you're doing it in the aggregate, even if you're teaching to a group of 200 students, there are ways to really take a premise like I have 200 students who have to get through an exam, but individualizing that and teaching students how to at a metacognitive level how to be aware of how they learn and how they retain information because that's what gives them. In a lot of ways, I think the confidence to make the decisions from doctors,
2: right? And a couple of things show up for me. For um, as far as um, Lauren academics, a lot of people don't know Lauren academics is the original medical coaching model. is the only medical coaching model that deals with medical students. Not if you hear people say medical coaching, what they'll say is
0: closer to the than right. Thank you.
2: What they'll say is they usually think of like health coaches and that type of thing, and that's not what it is. The yeah. LES model is the standard for medical coaching, for um, physicians. But the other thing I found fascinating was during the pandemic, Lauren was able to pivot her team to a, a completely online because they were uniquely already situated for it. So it's almost like they're intuitive about the way medicine is headed and the way doctors need to learn. So... I've always been excited working with that um, team, and they're just amazing.
1: Thank you, we love working with Sharice <laughs> as well. It's, um, I think, from a medical coaching perspective, I always say it's sort of like where clinical social work meets medicine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so system based approach, neurobiopsychosocial emotional. We can't separate out emotions from learning. We can't separate, out, you know race from learning or ethnicity or any of those and nor should we. And so it's really like looking in a very holistic way at um, what it takes to learn and and build a residue of memory and how we kind of hold on to that. And and how do we then use that to take tests with greater efficiency and accuracy, achieve at a higher level? Sure. That's important. I don't know about the test taking being like primary goal. It's more, how do you ensure that the doctor that you're helping to train is going to be somebody who can move from symptom to diagnosis, with the highest degree of accuracy and bedside manner, you know, and retain their integrity as, as a person.
0: When I, when I hear you talking about the whole person and all, like, I just feel like a lot of our policies aren't set up that way. No. Like there's an inherent clash between yeah. the system that is and the one that you're system, working. Yes. For yeah, how does that show up for you? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I did. I was poke, always but waving like, our flag, like, please, yeah, really, no,
1: pay attention. This is important, yeah. Um, I think that's an interesting point. I used to kind of cringe initially when we started reading about like wellness centers propping up. It, the idea, the premise is so important, but the idea that somehow we can just create a space that's like this discrete entity, somehow different or separate from a curriculum as a way of mitigating some experience that a student might be dealing with, right? I think that isn't exactly how all schools look at it, but that was always the concern was that it would be sort of a one size fits all or that, you know, you have a problem, you go to this place, you get fixed, you'll be fine. But it's sort of outside of what's going on. And I think we look at general education and then kind of how that informs medical education. As educators and as a clinician, I think we have to think... Well, one, we have to look with better eyes. As I mm-hmm. said. But we also have to be really sensitive to the fact that people don't learn in a vacuum. It's not like you're, you know, sort of saying, I'm going to draw this line or this box right here, go sit in that, we're going to be better, and, and then come back and now you're fixed, right? No. It's about saying to educators, to professors, to faculty, what do we need to do to embed implicitly in the curriculum an understanding that? we have to make room for all kinds of narratives. We have to make room for having conversations that sometimes are really tough and sometimes so challenging to have, but need to be had in order to move forward. And so it's, I think you're right. I think sometimes education is, it is set up almost like to clash with Mm -hmm. that, but I feel like that is our mandate. I just feel super clear that You know, the leave your campsite better than you found it part means that we have to have those really tough conversations and be willing to, you know, be willing to step in it. So So that,
0: yes. Okay. So that gives me another question around. You must have learned a lot around having difficult conversations and getting comfortable being super uncomfortable. What a perfect segue. I was about to tell her, could
2: you please tell her about the firesides? Yeah. Last summer, I mean, when we all went into lockdown, Lauren had this amazing idea to bring the conversations that are afraid to be had in medicine, a way to bring them to the forefront in a way that could be actionable. And she did this amazing thing with these fireside chats, and I'll let her tell you about them.
1: So Fireside Five is a Denver-based company, and they are interested in having conversations that bring people together for community purposes, connection, but really like also around social justice Mm -hmm. and equity and inclusion, and so. We teamed up with them and we asked, okay, here are the reasons why people come to LAS, you know, the medical students, the fellows, the residents, and so forth. The majority of the students that we provide support for, our students are incredibly bright, dedicated mm-hmm. to what they're doing, and so forth, oftentimes come from backgrounds that are underserved, underrepresented in medicine, in medical education, typically minority background. And the idea is, that I guess have a conversation at at maybe a bigger level than what we can do one-on-one. So we worked with Fireside at Five and we basically picked five different conversations that we wanted to have (laughs) that I invited current and past medical students, nurses, physician assistants, doctors, fellows, deans. And we had a really cool representation of people and it, it just... I'm going to say almost unfortunately, sadly, it coincided with Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And it was also a real inflection point mm-hmm. because we were having conversations that were already really challenging to have. And then this, you know, incredible experience sort of took over in our country. And I had a student, previous student who was a resident at Penn who we collaborated together and worked on a piece on black lives matter and he did a wonderful, wonderful yeah, job.
2: Yeah, um,
1: yeah. So just sort of looking at spheres of influence and thinking about what are the conversations that we need to have and what do we have to be willing to do? And so as somebody who's white, it's our responsibility period. Yep. And that's the end of the, that's where it stops. Full stop. yeah. Right. And yeah. so full stop. And so, you know, Sharice knows because in our company we're so focused on equity and representation. And I like the fact that we have an incredibly diverse group yeah. whom we work with. I think that it's is unique. a very
2: diverse group. It
1: is, and it's
2: unique, right? It's women. Our team checks more boxes. We do. I mean, it's. I feel really proud of <laughs> right? this, right? Because it's, it's organic. It's not like anybody went out to seek out these people; it just happened, right?
1: You know? I mean, more people in the company are either black african-american latinox we have you know representation queer, and queer representation male. And male one male token I mean, male the male is in
2: the minority
1: he in the is he's and he's an Quaker, awesome. and he's brilliant yeah just brilliant but it's done in in an intentional way it's not to say that you know, I wouldn't hire people who are white or I wouldn't hire somebody who's straight or it it isn't that. (laughs) Right. But it just happens that that we're really open and we have, we have clear boundaries, but we are a very open team. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that we know what we're, we know what we're working toward and we understand how controversial it can be in medicine and how uncomfortable it can make people feel. I always say, just take the, you know, just say it. Like, Mm -hmm it's better to put it out there instead of having the elephant in the room. And it's better to deal with it and address it. It's always better to be invited to have a seat at Mm -hmm. the table than not.
0: Well, and it sounds like you're actually starting a lot of those conversations with intention and like opening the door, like, okay, we're about to have a difficult conversation, everybody. Right. And Mm -hmm. I always, I do say that,
1: right? And this may make you feel uncomfortable. That's okay. You're not feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm.
2: It's Mm -hmm. one of the things I came to um, Lauren with when I started working with them. I, I asked the question, I'm like, when a physician is fledgling, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: when is it that those critical conversations take place to help them either self-correct or to say to them, hey, you know that you could go into medicine. Have you had the conversation with yourself whether you should go into medicine? And when should that happen? So I was very interested in that. And the perspective for medical schools, I'm like, and she explained it to me, they have to be responsible for their numbers and how many doctors they turn out those conversations might not look the same as they would to somebody who cares that, that we need to make a doctor.
1: Right. You know? Which Charissa is referencing is, you know, if there is sort of chronic underachievement, let's say on board exams or licensing exams. And, you know, the question is, at what point do you say, wait a minute, are we doing a disservice for this student or this individual, either by just continuing to move the line out, or are we doing a disservice by saying, well, what else can we do? Do we need to look at this from a different perspective? And like I said, you know, tell your head a little bit or look with better eyes. And I, I do think sometimes the solution is not always straightforward. Sometimes mm-hmm. it isn't. But a lot of times it is. Some It's about just being willing to put something forward and say, maybe we have to talk about the reality here, right? Is this the right fit at this point? And what does it look like if it isn't?
0: Well, I keep thinking about how do you even go bigger? Because your cog in the wheel, so to speak, is to work on the doctor side of things, making sure that the mm-hmm. doctors themselves are who they need to be in order to mm-hmm. do the job that they need to do. But what about the system that they're placed into? Oh, God, I know. <laughs>
1: On on every level, right? right? I mean, insurance, pharmaceutical, all the way through
0: to educational certification and patient care, I which, mean, by
1: it, the way, is yeah, are they, primary. Are,
0: does that ever enter into your territory, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. do you have a circle of influence in that at all? So one of the things I feel
1: really proud of is that we have incredibly long-term relationships with the people that we provide support for. And I always say, be prepared, I'm going to come back to you and ask you to, push this forward. And in fact, we're doing something right mm-hmm. now with a foundation called I Am Able Foundation in Chicago. They're a community-based foundation that provides some pipeline to medicine or medical education. And so students might be in high school as they come to them and you know, may need a little extra help here or there relative to the sciences or the STEM education. But we're working with them this summer, actually doing a, kind of a neat piece around, it's MCAT prep, but it's also around professionalism and networking and, you know, building that component so how it become a doctor? right it's all it's so layered it's not, it's a not just straight, a student of medicine right yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's not just linear like okay i take this test i pass mm-hmm. it and i move yeah. to the next level it's it's everything you're immersed in a culture for the rest of your life right and so it's teaching people how to have totally different conversations sometimes like cross-cultural communication that they haven't had yet and so i Pushed it forward by saying to some of our previous MCAT students, some of our current physicians, whom I worked with, you know, 20 some odd years ago in some cases, I need you to be part of this to help with some of the teaching, right? To teach some component of content but also to be available to answer questions and to be a support, to be a network, to be somebody who is giving back.
0: So do you feel like you have enough momentum if you're a team of seven or eight? Like Each s- one, teach one. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. We're
1: small, but mighty.
0: Okay. I think we are mighty.
1: And I think Cherise would attest to this. It's. I think we have our fingers, our hands in a lot of places, but I think it, we have to, first of all, I think there's a, re- I have a responsibility. That's like, it's, of the mission of our company to do exactly what we're doing and we it's ask,
2: fascinating to watch them do their case studies like
1: yeah talk about the the case conferences mm-hmm. every week we meet as a mm-hmm. team it's we take a team-based approach very collaborative we present cases and so forth and talk through we also do a lot of curriculum design during that time so it's not just about teaching i always say like you have to ask why so two plus two is four and two times two is four why, why? <laughs> right and if you can't explain that that's uh, a problem. You should know that if you're a mathematician, you should certainly know it. But the same is true in medicine. If you're able to move from symptom to diagnosis and come up with differentials or to know what the treatment, the intervention is going to be, but you don't know why, you've missed something. And if you can't explain it to the person who doesn't have the science background, then you have an even bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Because that means your bedside manner is going to be completely off. So that, I think, is the responsibility we have. And I think we're, like I said, small but mighty. I think, you know, we work with a significant number of residency programs and fellowship programs, Mm -hmm. medical schools and physician assistant programs. And it's cool because we get to explain this exact thing to them, this narrative, this idea of each one teach one, push it forward, leave the campsite better than we found it. I think that's how change occurs. Yeah.
0: I think that when people think that they don't have power as an individual, that there's such huge breakdown there. It's like, how much difference can one person make? And when you really know that, then I think that you get inspired to do more and be a bigger, make a bigger splash.
1: Yeah, I I agree. We're talking today on the path and this idea of, you know, bravery versus bravado. It's it takes a lot of courage sometimes mm. to walk into the meetings that I walk
2: into. Absolutely. I can imagine. I always go, man, how did I get here? Yikes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm but I'm like, I sure. insulted by what they said. <laughs> and I'm like, go back in there and tell them. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, I mean, some sometimes they're really hard meetings and a lot of the work we do is in advocacy for sure. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, be willing to do that. Be willing to have the uncomfortable conversation, even if it's, You know, even if it costs you something else, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's, if this one student or these individuals are going to become better physicians for it, it's worth it. It is. I think that's where we have to do better than than sometimes what we do. I think
2: one of the important things that Lauren and her team are able to do, which, you know, sometimes I think they underestimate how powerful and how useful it is, is that they can uncover stuff. And we just had this conversation about for um, individuals from marginalized backgrounds, the CARS portion of the um, exam that they take yeah. is a huge deal. They tend to not do well, but this we, is on the they are able to identify why that population doesn't do well on the exam. No one's ever done that before. Yeah. Because if you can solve that problem, you can solve so many problems in medicine.
1: Plus, we got to write a really creative curriculum for it. So mm-hmm. that's the cool part. So the critical analysis and reasoning section can be very, very challenging for all all students, Mm -hmm. but in particular we're finding is the students, at least with whom we are working, we're finding that there seems to be a subpopulation of students for whom that section on the MCAT, which really is the verbal reasoning section, it's really where you demonstrate your decision making, is the area where the scores are the lowest has huge implications not just for mcat and entrance to medical school but has huge implications as a physician mm-hmm. because how we move from symptom to diagnosis and how we make clinical decisions requires decision making we mm-hmm. score low at that point it has implications for every board exam thereafter mm-hmm. and all the clinical
2: they can tests. estimate how well you're going to do yeah. your- Exam, you're not going to take it for three years just by what yeah. you're doing. Oh, wow. No one else can
1: do that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of metrics. We got really geeked out and interested in the numbers and yay for us because we do know what two plus two is and we know why <laughs> mm-hmm. it is it's the same as two times two. Anyways, um, point being, our metrics tell us something really important and we can look at ACT and SAT number of times students taken a particular standardized exam. It tells us something as well as their narrative. Right, neurobiopsychosocial emotional information that uh, tells us something about how that individual learns, and there ultimately are high correlations number n is equal to a high number, high enough number here statistically that we're like, cool, we mm-hmm. got it. Yeah, this has predictive value.
0: I'm so glad to know you. Hi. I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to know yeah. you too. Can you imagine <laughs>
2: taking a broken person like a student that comes to just burns out?
1: Just very challenged by an experience
2: that did Mm -hmm. not
1: go the way they had intended
2: yeah and underachieving and just feeling like they're at the end of their rope and then comes in and come out of with a new perspective like the doctor she worked like dr amana and you know they always say like i can't believe where i was and where i am because there's a breakthrough that needs to happen the aha
0: moment yeah but it's so cool like we get to watch that Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like the work you're doing is not only very rewarding, but also very impactful and making a huge difference. And like you're like yeah. being the change, which and, and yeah, and it's our motto, more, right? Yeah. So little by little, the
1: bird makes its
0: nest. I love Step
1: it. two as a fist on me, and <laughs> that part is like that's the real deal. It's you gotta roll up your sleeves and get you know get in the muck. It's not a straightforward path. It's not gonna be easy. Sometimes my you know, mess is like exactly where it is.
0: Sometimes you gotta make the mess so that you can
1: clean it up. It's exactly right. And so I, you know, I think what we're doing is we're also bearing witness to some of the narratives that are our future doctors. And we're, you know, we're we're placing a premium on those narratives. And we're saying that's really important. Mm -hmm. That's actually what's gonna make you an amazing physician. It's not the fact that you had difficulty taking this one test this one time. Right. You know, why? Well, guess what? How many of you walk mm-hmm. into your doctor's offices and say, What did you get on step one? Yeah, right. No, you don't <laughs> no. ask that. And it would be weird if you did. Mm-hmm. So, but the question you want to know is, you know, what are your diagnostic skills like? And will you be there for me in the middle of the night if something really goes awry? And who do I call? Mm-hmm. And, if the doctors that we're helping to train are able to do that, they get it, they know how challenging something can be, and they're willing to kind of roll up their sleeves, so to speak, Yeah. then to me, we've done our job really well, so...
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like we could sit here and talk all day, but I'm watching the sunset (laughs) over this beautiful desert mountain. (laughs) I feel like we should wrap up. But so Lauren, if people want to follow you and connect with you, what is the best way for them to do so? So Teresa is going to help me with this because I will absolutely mess it up. Uh, (laughs) First
1: of all, we have this really cool website, right? And so that's it, laurenacademic.com, L-O-R-E-N. It's
2: brand new. Oh, I'll I'll check it it out. out. Mm
1: -hmm. So I'm spelling it, L-O-R-E-N. A C A D E M I C dot com, right? And then we have a few handles. We have a Twitter
2: handle, L A S underscore Inc.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And then we have also on Facebook, we're Lauren Academic Services, and and Lauren
2: LAS one is her um, handle on Twitter. Okay.
1: Yeah. And I have a personal handle. And then we have Instagram.
0: Mm-hmm. And soon, TikTok, we're going to be dancing with you guys. Soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Totally going to I was really thinking, I'm like, should we make TikTok a serious health IT thing? And I'm like, I think it's for dancing. I love. It's totally for dancing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've been <laughs> working
1: on one of them. And actually, it's coming soon.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so lovely thank to connect. Thank you for and- inviting me. Wow, I'm so happy to have a catch-up. I am it. just
1: so happy. Literally, made my day. Yes. Thank you.
0: So thank you. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yes. (laughs) awesome thanks for joining us on hit like a girl pod make sure to visit our website where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify or the health podcast network so you never miss a show while you're at it if you found value in this episode we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend you can also find us on the socials our handle on all of them is hit like a girl pod be sure to tune in next time see you soon